שבוע טוב ו-Welcome back to הלכות שבת of הרמב״ם, ספר זמנים, פרק שלושה עשר אופי הלכות שבת, הלכה א'. This chapter is going to deal with the topic of הוצאה, it's one of the 39 מלאכות as we started in the last chapter. The מלאכה is defined really as transporting things, anything, as we are going to see that, that anything needs to be something of significance and that depends on what it is that's being transported. So for example, if you're transporting, transporting food, It needs to be food of an amount that is significant for food. But in any event, there is a melacha of transforming the coordinates of something as if it were. So if I take object from point A to point B, and by doing so, I'm transporting this object from one domain to a different domain, then I'm sort of converting the medium, I'm converting the scenario on which this object lies down. And this is one of the 39 melachot. This chapter in particular is going to deal with two elements of this melachah hosa'ah, without which one would not be hayav, one would not be liable. One is akira. Akira means you have to uproot it from the first domain. And the second one is hanaha. After you have uprooted it, you have to then place it, lay down, rest it on a second, on the, on the different domain. The next chapter, Perek Arba'a Asar, is, uh, is the one that actually is going to tell us what these domains are. How do we define those domains? So because these chapters are so technical and so difficult to understand, but at the same time so important, and really if anyone ever wants to study Ilkhot Masechet Shabbat in the Mishnah on the Gemara, they must understand these concepts very well, My recommendation would be to study the 13th, as we are doing right now, to study the 14th, and then to review the end of 12, 13, and 14, and then proceed with 15th. That's if you really want to understand it and grasp and, and keep it with yourself to really understand these concepts, because they are really important, they are very relevant, very poorly understood generally, and Harambam, as with everything he's done, a superhuman, masterful job in summarizing all of these principles from the Gemara in a very accessible way. Halakha Alef, En ha-mosim mershut lershut o ha-ma'avir bershut ha-rabbim hos de-arba amot hayav. A person who transports something from one domain to the other or within the same domain, the domain of reshut ha-rabbim, as we're going to see in next chapter. If that person within the domain of Rashut Arabim transports something more than four amot, more than what's the equivalent of about six, six feet. So what you are doing by doing that in Rashut Arabim, if you think about it, is Rashut Arabim is made, is composed of uh, every individual's domain and the public domain. So if you are in Rashut Arabim, around you there is a private domain, and then for a mod beyond you is the public domain. So if you transport something for a mod within the Shudar Abim, in a way also there is a conversion from one domain to the other, your own domain where you are standing, the transporter, the actor, and the public domain for a mod beyond you. So for a mod within the Shudar Abim, as we said in the last chapter, also is part of this Melachal Fusa'a. So the only way you'd be Hayal עד שיעקור מעל גבי מקום שיש בו ארבעה טפחים על ארבעה טפחים או יותר, ויניח על גבי מקום שיש בו ארבעה על ארבעה. 
the place from which the place on which the object needs to have been resting to begin with and the place on which the object is going to be resting when you place it in the new domain both of them have to be platforms they have to be sufficient they have to be of a certain area that is at least four tefahim by four tefahim that's four um, palm breaths by four palm breath you can literally put your fists one against the other and see roughly what that area is and the reason for this Rambam explains in, the, in Perusha Mishnayot is that if it's not if it's less than that then it wasn't resting in that place to begin with it it would have been something that for the most part is seen as a very temporary rest place so imagine if you place a ball on top of a narrow pole outside right so you're not expecting for the ball to stay there for a long time you know it's not going to to remain there for for a significant amount of time and therefore for something to be considered in the psychology of most people as a resting place it needs to be four by four at the very least an exception to what we just said the exception to this is the human the human hand the human hand because it's something that's used so often so much by so many people everyone all the time uses their hands to hold things and to hold them for a while therefore although the hand except for some very bizarre cases of which i'm not familiar with any um is not for tefahim by four tefahim by definition a tefah is around one hand right so four tefahim is about four times as as wide as a hand however it is considered also a resting place therefore if for example i have two people avraham and ishaq avraham is standing inside the house Ishaq is standing outside on the street and I go I take some Avraham is holding a little ball on his hand he just has his hand open resting the ball on it I go I grab it from Avraham's hand and bring it outside and place it on Ishaq's hand I have done Akira this fulfills the elements to make me Hayav on the Melacha Fusa'a Likewise, and this is the example of the very first Mishnah of Masechet Shabbat, if I am standing inside, and then I myself, so while standing inside, my feet are inside the house, I reach out, let's say, through the window with my hand to the street, and from the street or from someone standing on the street, I grab something, bring it back to myself, then I have done akirava anaha through my hand. My hand, while uh, when bringing it back to me, is a resting place in the new domain, which closes this, this melacha. Even if I did not put the object in the place where I was, so, so let's say it was the opposite. Let's say I take an object from inside the house. I'm standing inside the house. I take the object, the basket, let's say, and, and put it outside in the street, or, or just even I extend my hand and let my hand rest on the street. 
then that would be that would be uh, I'm actually not sure about what I said right now. I, that's how I had understood it, but I'm rethinking it again. So in, in case you are thinking differently, please let me know and, and really try to think and understand this. So it is here's the situation. I am the Ashir, I'm the Baalabait. There is the Ani standing outside. The Mishnah says if the Ashir, if the Baalabait takes, let's say, a loaf of bread from inside and brings it outside and places it on the hand of the Ani, that would obviously be Akira Vanaha because the hand of the Ani is now equivalent to a four by four surface and therefore that's Anaha. However, my question is, what if the Ashir, instead of doing that, just puts his hand out and leaves it there and rests that loaf of bread outside on his very hand? So I'm not sure that he'd be Hayav in that situation. All right. Halakha Gimal. Haya ochel lirshut a second exception. First exception is hands. Second exception is the human mouth. If I'm eating and I'm walking from inside the house to outside or vice versa, and I intend to carry with me, to transport the food that's in my mouth from inside to outside or otherwise, then although my mouth is probably not four by four tefahim large, it still would be considered a platform for Akirava Hanaha because of my mind through my intention of using my mouth to be the resting place of that food, I am able to, to qualify for this melacha. And this is even though this is not normally the usual way of carrying things. So as we'll see in following chapters, if you carry something differently than how people normally carry it, so for example, let's say you put something on your heel and you hop outside your house while carrying something on your heel, then that's that's not a normal way of carrying and you'd probably be patur. But in this case of carrying something inside your mouth, although it's not the usual way of transporting things because that's your intent to have that mouth serve as a final resting place for that food, therefore it is considered osa'ah. Likewise, if someone is standing inside the house or outside and then spits or urinates to the other reshut, to the other domain, he would be hayav. Because we are fulfilling these two elements, you are uprooting it from inside in the in as applicable or from the outside and placing it on the outside or on the inside, whichever side of the example you want to take. Although the, the mouth from which I'm spitting or uh, from whatever I'm urinating from is not for tefahim by for tefahim, because in my mind, my intent is to uproot from there and to place somewhere else that's considered as though that is a a, uh, a resting place. Notice how Aramban does not say the here. It doesn't say that we can extend this logic to apply to other examples. And so let me take this opportunity to open a very important parenthetical. The way of Harambam and Sephardi Hachamim was never to extend examples that the Gemara discusses specifically to apply to other things that presumably have the same logic. So we should not, it's not appropriate to say, oh, so how about if I'm actually doing it with my heel, 
and and the Mishnah said it's patur, but I intend for my heel to be the carrying or, or whatever. That, that that would not be an appropriate extension. Um, we we need the Gemara to have discussed that example specifically as they did in these examples here. When when that's not the case, when it's appropriate to extend it, Harambam will be very clear and he will say kol and so to anything that fits this pattern. Very interesting example the Gemara discusses. The Gemara ends this example in Teko. It's not resolved. And whenever it's not resolved, Harambam has a rule in Ilchot Shabbat that um, the halacha is there, that the person is, is asur to do so as a humrah. But on the other hand, the bed din is not going to punish this person because we are not certain enough that this is the law. So that leaves us with patur. So if a person is standing on one domain and then he's holding his, uh, his uh, uh, reproductive organ and, and that extends to the other domain. So of course it's a ridiculous example, but it's kind of to illustrate the limits of what we are studying. Then the Gemara did not resolve this, if this is considered where the person is standing or outside and therefore is patur. Now we are going to talk about water as a platform. So the rule is that water, with respect to water, we don't see... So let, let's, let's take the, the alternative first, which is easier. Let's say I have a little paper boat. I made a boat out of paper. And I put it on a water, on let's say on, on, on the lake, and the lake is in, in inside my house, Rajuta Yahid. And uh, and uh, the, the, so that 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 the, the whole water is in Rajuta Yahid. If the, the boat itself is not is separate from the water, as we're going to see later. However, if I take the water itself, I don't see the water as whole. I, I don't see the water as holding the water. I see the earth that's under the water holding the water. So, if I take let's say I'm standing outside, and I put my hand inside the house, and inside the house there is uh, on the floor there it's a construction area, and there is on the floor a hole, and it's filled with water because it was raining, and then I take some water from that hole filled with water to outside where I'm standing, then that's as if I, I took an object directly from the floor. In other words, the object was resting. This is one of the elements we're trying to understand. It was resting on the floor. The water was resting on the floor. It had a surface of four by four under it. And then by taking it and putting it on another surface, I'm fulfilling the melacha. However, let's say there is a plate floating on that water, and that plate doesn't have four by four, and on that plate there is a fruit, and I take the fruit from the plate. So am I taking the fruit from the, the, the soil that is supporting the water, that is supporting the plate, that is supporting the fruit? So the halakha is no. I only see, I unlink, I separate the, the solids from the liquids, and I separate the plate from the water, and therefore I'm only uprooting from that plate, and since that plate does not have four by four, I am patur. How much more so if the fruits 
or in my case, the paper boat, was floating directly on the water that had been patur. Likewise, and this is the Mahloket of Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri and Hachamim, not in Masechet Shabbat, and Harambam is supposed to like, like Hachamim, that uh, the, the water and the oil are seen as separate, although they are both liquid. If I take oil that's floating on top of water, from the water, I also see the oil as being supported by the water, which is not a 4x4 solid surface which is required for Akira. We already said that whoever uh, transports something from one domain to the other, he'd only become liable once he does Akira, he uproots something from one domain, from a platform in one domain, and places it on a, on a, on a second platform on the second domain. But, if he only does half of that, if he only uproots but does not place, or places but doesn't uproot, he'd be patur. Lefichach, therefore, now the example is going to illustrate what we mean, also from the first Mishnah of Shabbat. Let's say I am standing inside my house, I put my hand, I take a bread from inside the house to the outside through the window, and then I don't place it there anywhere, but rather, the poor person who is waiting outside for the bread, he's the one who comes and takes the bread from my hand. So who is placing it within the second domain? The person who is making it rest on the second domain is a poor person. So he has done half of the melacha. I have done half. And as we mentioned in some of the first chapter, the first chapter of Ilchot Shabbat, actually, when a melacha that can be done by one person is done by two people, then both of them are peturim. Oshenatan Likewise, if the poor person gave me a bread and I brought it inside, likewise, because one did the akira, one did the anaha, and we need both both halves of the melachot to be done by the same person. Now we start splitting hairs on some pretty complex technical things in the Gemara. When are we saying that this is the case of the Mishnah? When all of this is happening above ground, at least three tefahim above ground, at least three tefahim, three palm breaths above the ground, ground level. But imagine it wasn't a window, but it was a hole on the wall that was really next to the floor, so within the first three tefahim from the ground. Then by me taking the bread from inside the house and bringing it outside, even before the poor person grabs it from my hand, by virtue of my hand being within three tefahim of the ground on the other side, on the other domain, it's as if I rested it. And then I'd be the one doing the akirah and I'd be hayav. Now the same example as we said before, but let's talk about the other person. So if I was the one taking the bread from inside to the outside or from outside to the inside, the poor person who is standing outside is 100% patur. He has not done anything. He was just 
an object. He served as a platform, but he did not participate in the action of Akira in Hanaha. In other words, serving as a platform is not the melacha. Halacha chet. Haya omed be'achad mishter rashuyot elu, ve'natan chavelo hefes be'yado al kabav, ve'yasa be'oto hafes t'shut shenia ve'amat sham, hayav, mipene she'akirat gufo ba'hefes she'alav, ka'akirat ha'hefes me'ota reshut, ve'amidato be'oto ha'hefes ka'anahad ha'hefes be'karka she'amat ba. Let's say, I did not grab anything, but rather, I'm standing inside my house, and somebody hangs from my shoulder a messenger bag, and then knowing that I have the messenger bag on me, I, I purposely walk outside carrying that messenger bag, and then I stop there, and then somebody else comes and takes it off me. So I didn't do the grabbing, I didn't do the unloading or the loading, but that's also, and Haramam is really trying to refine the point here, it's not about who does the grabbing, who does the loading or the unloading, it's about who does the akira and the anaha, who does the uprooting from one domain and the resting on the other domain. And you could do that through your own body. So the messenger bag in this example is in the first domain on my shoulder. It's resting there by my moving away from that domain. I am doing the uprooting, even though I'm not using my hands. And then by stopping, by resting on the second domain, I'm doing the resting, although it's still on my body. Therefore, since we understand now that one of the elements, the Hanaha, the resting, requires my body to have rested, to have stopped on a certain place, it follows that if I, if someone did put that messenger bag on me, and I go from inside my house and walk outside, and without stopping, I turn around and come back inside, and without stopping, I turn around and go back outside all day long until after Shabbat ends, I'd be patur, because at no time on Shabbat did I fulfill the second half of the melacha of resting that object on the second domain. And even if I stop in the middle, but I only stop to really make sure that that messenger bag is straight. I didn't stop to actually rest, to, to acquire that spot as my resting place, but rather I just stopped to adjust that thing which I'm carrying. That is not the kind of stopping that is consider, considered resting, placing something on the second domain, and I'd be patur as well. So too, if someone is um, carrying a some some heavy burden on his shoulder, then he's he 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 should be allowed or or he'd be patur so long as he's running all day long without stopping until the moment he stops his patur so long as he's actually running however if he's going slowly slowly with something heavy then every time that i take a slow step it's as if i'm also stopping a little bit and therefore every step it's as if i'm i'm, I'm stopping and it will be forbidden it's not hayav here it's asur okay let's make that clear 
And I think that the reason it's Asur and not Hayav is because even if you see every little step being Okerumaniyah, that is not Okerumaniyah um, within longer than four Amot. Lefichach, therefore, now a practical advice, what should someone do who is carrying a heavy burden, is coming back from the shuk with his all of his merchandise on his shoulders, and then suddenly sunset comes? So what should he do? Hachanim do not want you to throw away your livelihood. Rather, you run with it until you arrive next to your house. And as you are entering your house running, you throw it in a way that's not... The, the way that normally people use to rest something on a certain area. So you just throw it like behind you or, or uh, under your legs, whatever, however you want to throw it in a way that's not normal. We said that also within the Shut Rabim, walking more than four Amot, it's as if creating a new domain and it's transporting from one domain to the other and you'd be Hayav. However, if you go less than four Amot and then you stop, then what's happening there is you are virtually creating a new domain on that spot around you. So really, it's as if a new Rashut Ayahid is being created before you exceeded the first one. And therefore, you are not really being Mosim Rashut Rashut. Even if you do this all day long, and now this is a very, very important distinction between the Ketav Yad that we are reading from. The, uh, in the last few years, especially by the group led by Rabbi Yochai Makbidi, there's been a tremendous, tremendous project of reviving Harambam as he had written things, because over the years, over 800 years, there's been a lot of mistakes in the printed editions. One of the, the mistakes is this word here, in the printed edition says patur, which means forbidden. But the, the Mishneh Torah that, that, that is most reliable would be mutar. So this is permitted to do. It's permitted to, and I have done this myself. I've done this once a couple of years ago in Eres Israel. Uh, I don't carry on Shabbat, as we are going to explain soon. But I, I had my child... Um, my son at that point who was very little, we went to Bet Knesset for, for Shabbat night, for Arbit, and then coming back home, he, he really wasn't willing to walk. So what we did then was I carried him less than four amot at a time. So you walk two steps or three steps, then you stop, you rest on that area, <laughs> sort of like giving time to the Rashut Ayahid to be created around you, and then you do it again, and then you stop, then you do it again, you stop. It takes forever, but it's mutar. And as we said before, this is all uh, provided that you are re- you're stopping to rest, you're stopping to really uh, make your spot be the one you're standing on, rather than just stopping to adjust what you are carrying. And on the, on the flip side, if when you stop is to adjust to adjust the, the, what you are carrying, then you are also not becoming Hayaf or Anaha at that moment, but only the next time that you stop, that's when you'll be Hayaf. 
היה קנה רומח וכיוסה בו מונח על הארץ והגביע כסיה אחד והיה כסיה שני מונח בארץ והשליכו לפניו וחזר והגביע הכסה שהיה מונח ושליכו לפניו על דרך זו עד שאביד החפץ כמה מילים פטור let's say you have something like a spear or a rod of any, of any, of any uh, kind or, or a staff or, or a, a, a any, any cylindrical long shape so it's laying on the ground and then you grab one end and you 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 throw that end to the other side so that one end serves as an axis and the other end goes from being behind the second end to being in front of it it's almost as if you are rolling it but there is a very important distinction there is always something that is not moving and i know this is not a perfect statement geometric geometrically or, or mathematically speaking but at least visually and psychologically which is what matters it is so if you take the spear let's say right so it's easier to explain with a spear because one end is different than the other so let's say that you take the spear and one end has the the knife the sword and the other end has the the handle right so you let the sword lay on the ground you grab the handle and you throw it strongly to the other side so that the sword stays on the ground and the handle goes all the way forward and then you do the same thing taking the sword and leaving it leaving the um the handle on the other side as an axis and so on and so forth even if you do this for many million for many uh, thousands of yards patur you'd be not liable on shabbat because at no time was there was the entire object uprooted from one domain to the other there was always a part that was still resting this is not the same as rolling something rolling something like a wheel Hachamim understood this is constantly in movement so there is no resting to begin with in other words if you're rolling something then the moment that that wheel is static it's stagnant that's when it's resting then you start rolling it you start moving it as if you were carrying it and then the moment that wheel stops that's when it's it's resting again it's in constant movement as opposed to this this uh, mechanism with something long which has something resting at any given time however if you take that same spear and you you drag it from the beginning of four amot to beyond four amot and we explained in the last chapter to really be hayav it needs to be on the diagonal not on on the length because someone who rolls something who takes something from being stagnant from being from being resting to to moving to rolling that's okay that is also a form of akira let's say that the akira was not done as the beginning of a hanaha that is forbidden so let's say i'm inside my house and from within my house i want to take my paper boat that i made in the last example and i want to take it from one corner to another within the same house so i i uproot it from where it stands from from where it's resting and then i take that with me and i put it instead of taking it permissively to the other end 
I actually end up walking outside and taking it outside. So there's going to be a, a problem here of Hanaha when I put it outside. Obviously, that's a forbidden Hanaha. But the Akira was with an intent of not doing a Melacha. Therefore, there is a disconnect here and the Melacha is not completed. Likewise, if I approach something and then I place it on my friend as he is walking, and then as my friend is walking, I take it from my friend and then I put it on another friend that's also walking, then I'd be patur because although I satisfied the first element, which is the uprooting from the first resting place to begin with, it never really rested somewhere that was permanent, that was intended, and that was there to begin with, for which I had the predetermination to put it there. Halakha Yud Gimal. Hazarek hefes mershut lirshut omitehilat arba lesof arba bishut harabim. If someone throws an object from one domain to the other, or in the Shutarabim from the beginning of the four Amot to the end of the four Amot, the Kodem Sheyanuach, and before it rests, it was intercepted. So I'm throwing it from one side of the street to the other, more than four Amot, and before it rests, my 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 friend who is a uh, a football fan goes runs and, and intercepts it in the middle. Or my dog thinks it's a frisbee and stop, stops it. Obviously, this is not planned. If it's planned, then that is my hanaha, right? But this was not my intention. On Israf, or in the middle, there was a fire, and my, my poor paper boat got burnt in that fire that was there in the middle. Patur, Adbi Patur. Because this wasn't my intended hanaha, I have to intend that hanaha the moment I do the akira. However, therefore, if I do intend that the moment I, I uproot it, so if I'm playing frisbee actually with my dog and I throw the frisbee and my dog goes and catches it mid-air, that was my intention to begin with. It landed where I intended it to land. This is an interesting halakha. If I throw something while holding the end of the rope that's tied to it in my hand, so I'm, imagine, imagine for example, a good example for this would be a um, a um, a fishing rod, right? So I throw the the, the fishing rod. I, I forget what it's called, the the metal thing that flies and and I throw it far to catch fish, uh, fly fishing. So the, the it flies away. And, but I'm still holding the rod, so I'm still, in my mind, I never intended for that piece to land where it landed permanently. I, I always intended, and I'm showing that intent by still holding, by grabbing on that instrumentality that will bring it back, to bring it back to where I am. So if still I remain able to bring it back to me, I'd be patur, because that resting would not have been a permanent resting and therefore, it's as if I did the uprooting, but not the resting, and that's patur. Halachat etvav. Hazorek v'nacha betuchiyado shel ha'averoh. Im amad ha'averoh 
במקומו וקיבלה הזורק חייו שער יעקר והניח ואם נעקר חברו במקומו וקיבלה הפטור. Another interesting case if I throw something more than for a motor from one domain to the other and then my friend catches it if my friend was standing there or I knew where he would be standing then that is that is akira v'hanaha however if my friend moves and grabs it even if he stands so he, he's in movement but then he stands and for a good full second he stops there he stares at the football coming his way and then he grabs it so that would be Akira without Hanaha. Because that's not where he was when I started throwing that object. So if he was there to begin with and he stays there, that is Akira Vanaha. If he's on a different point and then dislocates himself to come to the point to receive what I'm throwing, that is Akira without the full Hanaha because the Hanaha was not intended to to him because he wasn't there before. So likewise, Zarak veras hazorek asmo achar hafez vekibelo biyado b'shud achar tochut arba'amot. Let's say I do to myself, I serve myself, so I throw a football very high, and then I run myself and I grab it on the other end, on a different domain. I am patur, as if it were a different person. Shen hanahagemura because for it to be a complete. A full a satisfactory resting it needs to be that it rests on a platform that was there the moment I did the first Akira and this I'm just creating myself as a receiver on the other end by moving there and obviously I wasn't in both places at the same time this is the principle now, Halachatet Zayin, the second half is, uh, sorry, uh, Yud Zayin, um, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, the exception. But the rule should be that if I throw something from one domain to another domain, and in the middle there is, sorry, from, from one domain to the same domain, and in, in the middle there is another domain, then this I'd be patur. Um, so let me give you an example. Let's say there is two buildings adjacent to each other, and in the middle there is a street, and I throw something from one balcony of the first building to the balcony of the second building. So the object is passing through the air of Rashut Rabim. As we are going to see in the next chapter, the air of Rashut Rabim is not really Rashut Rabim. But this is uh, let, let's let's suspend that for next chapter. That's why it's important to come back and study this again. In this case, just remember for now, you'd be patur. However, if I throw a very low throw, and then Let's say I'm throwing a ball from inside one building to the building across the street, and I throw it really, really low, and the ball sort of like bounces off within something, it touches upon something that is within three tefahim from the ground. That touching, that touchdown, is a touchdown 
for purposes of akirava hanaha, and therefore I'd be hayav even if the ball continues and rolls or bounces to rutayahid on the other side. Likewise, if I'm doing the opposite, if there is a building in the middle, and there is streets on both sides, and I throw from one street to the other, passing through the building, that's also patur. And the same thing as the first example, unless I throw it within three tefahim from the ground and it touches something and bounces off something within those three tefahim because then it's as if it rested when it touched down the ground and then I'd be hayav. In the same case of throwing a ball from one street to the other, I'd be patur only if there isn't four amot of Rashut Harabim through which the object is flying. In other words, I am one amma away from the building and it's landing one amma away from the building on the other side. However, if I am more than four amot from the first building, or even two and a half amot from the first building, and then there is two amot or more from the second building, then I'd be hayav, not because it passes through Shutayahid, but because I can add up, I should add up the two portions of Rishut Arabim on each side of the building, which would make it be more than four amot. And when I say for Amot, again, remember, it's never for Amot. To be really Hayav, it needs to be the diagonal of a triangle that is four by four. Um, so it's a, it's a square root of, um, of 16 plus 16, of 32, square root of 32 in terms of Amot. Um, so in, in, because the object never stopped, those two halves of the, those two portions of Rajdabim are added up, and then I become liable by virtue of having transported something more than for a mod in the Rabim, not because of the Rashutayahid in the middle. Now we are going to come to the exception. So we said that throwing one would be patur. However, Moshit is different, and the reason for that is not logic, it doesn't extend from the rules that we said so far, but the reason for that is very specific. And that is that this was exactly the way that the worship of the Mishkan was done, or the building of the Mishkan was done, was conducted, according to the Gemara. And that's why, although it doesn't fit the pattern that we've been describing and the rules we've been describing, Hachamim decided this is a Melecha as well, which comes to show Halacha is not about logic. Halacha is not about, let's get a rule, let's get a principle, let's derive a principle, and then let's play with examples ourselves and extend that principle as our as as we wish. A beddin, a court can do that and a court can create new laws by doing that. And whether whether they do that in the most logically consistent way or not is irrelevant. What they say still is law because they said it. But we as individuals cannot take the rules or what we think are the rules behind the laws and apply them at our at will, however we want. So, 
Same case of the balconies. I said if I throw something from one balcony to the next, then I'd be patur, so long as it doesn't land for a second within three tefahim from the ground. However, if I'm not throwing, but I am extending something, so I'm grabbing a very, my, the spear from my other example, let's say it's a very long spear, and I take that spear and I, 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 I pass it all the way to the next balcony through Rashut Arabim, I am Hayav, even if I do this above the ten amot, the ten tefahim, sorry, that define Rashut Arabim, as we're going to see in the next chapter, which, which is Mekom Petur, as we're going to see in the next chapter, because this is exactly the way the Leviim used to conduct their work for the Mishkan, they'd have this Agalot, the Agalot that the Nesim gave us a donation in Hanukkah Mizbeach, as we see in Parashat Naso, and those Agalot, those uh, wagons, um, served for, for transportation, and the Leviim would be very efficient and they would actually pass a Keresh, a, one of the beams of the Mishkan, from one wagon to the other. The wagon is Rashut Yahid. In the middle, the Midbar is Rashut Rabim. And therefore, if they are Hayav, we are Hayav as well. Again, sorry, uh, to remind ourselves, the Melachot of Shabbat are taken from the paradigm is everything that was done for the Mishkan. To refresh our memories, as Jacob Ovadia said in uh, the last week, the Melachot are those things that Moshe asked the people to stop doing. That's how we know what Melachot are, or that serves as the basis for Chachamim to then come and decide what Melachot are. So the Torah says, don't make any Melachot, don't make any transformation. What are Melachot? So one of the hints we have is that um, that uh, uh, Hashem told to Moshe Rabbeinu that midah uh, melacha uh, uh, they should stop the melacha. We have enough. We don't need to to have melachot anymore for the mishkan for building the mishkan. And then everyone stopped doing melacha, and what they stopped doing is melachot. So everything that they were doing towards the building of the mishkan is a melacha. So the transporting of the Kirashim and the passing of the Kirashim of the beams of the Mishkan from one wagon to the next also is a Melacha. And although it doesn't fit so neatly within the principles we, we just laid out, it is Asur and it's Hayav uh, because it fits too nicely within the paradigm of what they used to actually do in the Mishkan. Halacha Yotet so when are we saying that passing down the spear in my example from one balcony to the other would be Hayav when it really fits perfectly this imagery of the Levim in the Mishkan passing down a beam from one to the other. And the way they would do it is they would do it as the wagons were one behind the other, going in line, going in the same direction. They weren't one next to the other because they were all going in the same direction. So 
if the balconies are set up in that way at Pihayav. However, if they're set up in the way that you'd set up two wagons next to each other, one going to each to a different direction, then passing things among them is no longer within that same example of what was done in the Mishkan. And then we go back to the general rule, which says that throwing something with the Shutarabim in the middle should be patur. And so too, passing down something, extending something from one to the other. Let's say a person had his hand filled with fruits, a lot of grapes in his hand, and then he forgot it was Shabbat, and then he, he took his hand out uh, from Rashut Yahid to bring it to Rashut Rabbim, and before and, and to, to bring it from Rashut Ayahid to Rashut Hayahid with Rashut Rabim in the middle. And before he brings it to Rashut Ayahid, he remembers that in the middle is Rashut Rabim. So he's right now holding grapes in Rashut Rabim. And if he brings it back inside to Yahid, he's doing a melacha. But it's half melacha only because he, he did not do the akira with that mindset, as we said before. And in this case, Hachamim permitted the person to bring the hand back into Rashut Ayahid, so he does, he's not literally left hanging for the rest of Shabbat. However, he's forbidden to actually finish what he intended, which is to bring the grapes to the second Rashut Ayahid, so that he doesn't fully fulfill what he intended while he was being shoreg. However, if the person did so purposely, he didn't forget it was Shabbat, but in the middle, what he, while he's holding the grapes outside in the Shudarabim, he decides to do Teshuvah, and now he wants to bring them inside, and he asks, can I do this or not? The Alecha is no, Hachamim did not permit to do so, unless you did so Beshogeg, and then you are supposed to leave your hand there until Shabbat is over. Now in terms of distances, let's say I intend to throw something eight amot within Shutarabim, which would be more than Hayav. But then I'm a very bad thrower, and instead of landing the eight amot that I wanted, whatever I throw ends up landing halfway there for amot, which is enough to be hayav, but it's not what I intended. However, I am hayav because I did intend the initial for two. Throwing something for eight amot is the same, intending to throw something for eight amot is the same as intending to throw something for four amot and then for another four amot. So my intention was fulfilled, and I am Hayav. However, if it's the opposite, I intend four, and it goes eight, then this was more than my intention. And as you might recall, we studied all of this in the first chapter, this is all review. I did not think that the object would reach that far. 
I obviously did not have in mind how much more so that the object would rest there, find its final resting place there, eight amot. I never intended to reach that far. Therefore, if, however, I did throw something and I intended for it, I intended to apply a, me a measure of strength, enough force for four amot, but I had no particular desire for it to land anywhere. Anywhere it landed would be okay for me. I just want to get it away from where I am, for example. Then I still would be hayav there because my intent, my intention, or my vague intent, or my intent that wasn't very well defined was in the end fulfilled. Last halacha of the chat of the chapter kafpet if someone throws something within the four amot and then that something lands and continues rolling until after four amot, then I am patur because if things had gone my way, the way I had planned, I would be patur. If it had landed and not gone beyond four amot, I'd be okay. However, if I throw it, let's say I intend to throw it six amot, and then it bounces back and comes back to within the four amot. And if that's something, before it bounced back, if it did find any resting place, and then it came back, it bounced back into it, I'm Hayav. However, let's say, let's go back to my to my paper airplane. If I threw it uh, six amot, and then the wind brought it back to amot, so it never really landed anywhere beyond the, the four amot that would make me Hayav, I am not liable in this situation. Tomorrow, Be'ezat Hashem, we continue with the next chapter, which is a very, very important one, detailing the Rashuyot of Shabbat. Tomorrow's chapter might take us longer than an hour, actually.